a car pulling in outside at the front of the house. I filled a third glass with wine and waited for the priest to come round onto the terrace. Father Ignazio Arrighi was small and slender. His features were delicate, his skin soft and pink and glossy, as if it had been swathed in a moist towel for many years. His age was a closely guarded secret, but whatever it was, he didn't look it. He was one of those men who never would. At a glance, you would think him frail and sickly, like a nineteenth-century consumptive, until you saw his hands. Father Arrighi had big, strong, square-fingered hands that could shoe a horse or strangle a man. Viola player's hands. He put down his instrument case and glanced around, his eyes alighting on the glass of wine. Gianni, you are a lifesaver, he said gratefully, removing the glass from my hand and gulping down a good half of it. Communion wine not enough for you, father? Rinaldi said provocatively. Now, now, Tommaso, the priest replied good-humouredly. I'm not going to rise. He settled himself down in a chair and placed his glass within easy reach on the table. He'd come directly from church where every Wednesday evening for the past twenty years he'd been celebrating Mass with a devout but dwindling group of elderly women. He'd changed out of his cassock and taken off his dog collar because it chafed his neck when he held his viola. But somehow he still looked like a priest. Your garden is looking very fine, Gianni, he said. You think so? I said. I've neglected it a little this year. The flowers are thriving, but I fear my fruit crop is going to be down on last year. Rinaldi gave me a worried look. Not your plums, I hope. I was depending on you for a good supply. You know the shop ones aren't a patch on yours. Rinaldi is the main beneficiary of my plum harvest, which he uses to produce a potent and illegal homemade brandy, with the strength and colour of paint stripper, but alas, none of the taste. I'm afraid so, I said. That's a disaster, Rinaldi said. We must endeavour to contain our disappointment, said Father Arrighi, who had tried the brandy, though only once. It was almost dark now. The blossoms on the trees, the flowers in the borders had lost all colour. They were just shapes, textures in the night. I went in through the French windows and switched on the lamps in my back room. Light flooded out onto the terrace, grazing the clusters of lavender along the edge of the lawn, touching the sage and rosemary and thyme in my herb garden with an ethereal luster. Father Arrighi and Rinaldi followed me inside. Rinaldi opened his violin case, took out his bow, and began rosining it. He always puts too much on, giving his tone an unnecessary harshness, but he says he likes to feel the bow hair biting into the strings. By the end of the evening, the belly of his violin is so covered in rosin dust, it looks as if it's been dipped in talcum powder. He gave the bow a couple of swishes through the air and put it down in the lid of his case.
Then he lifted out his violin and slung it across his chest like a ukulele, plucking idly at the strings. What are we going to play? he said. How about some Haydn? said Father Arigi. Break us in gently. Ronaldi pulled a face. Not Haydn, I don't feel like Haydn. I lifted down a pile of music from the top of the piano and leafed through it. What about Brahms? We haven't played Brahms for ages. No Brahms, said Rinaldi. I'm not in the mood for all that rectitude, that gloomy melancholy. I felt obliged to speak up in defence of poor Johannes. I'm rather fond of the old boy. He was German, of course, which is something of a disadvantage in Italian eyes, but he's a dead German, which makes it all right. It's not at all melancholy, I said. Yes, it is. Right now.